welcome back to the big program. Hey, we just got a special edition to the lineup. Just happened about oh, half an hour ago, but uh, really happy to welcome back uh, Arda O'Cal from ESPN back to Sports 1440. Uh, morning, Arda. You're with Kevin Carries and Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fear. Thanks for uh, hopping on this morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, really cool to be on the air with Grand Fear. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, no one ever says that they're happy to be on with me. That's the way it goes. <laughs> That's uh, the gig, man. That's yeah, the gig. Don't I, I know it. it. So you, I've got you. You can stew on a few questions for Grant later in the interview. I kind of always leave it like that. We just had uh, Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee. Uh, uh, Journal Sentinel talk about uh, his goaltending days, but uh, so I'll let you stew on a few questions for Grant later in the interview here, Arda. But uh, hey, since you were last on, we talked about you being the uh, world record holder for uh, Sega, what Genesis '96 and NHL PA '93, and everyone was saying, "Hey, man, maybe I can get in on this world record holder." Has anyone tried to beat these records uh, in the video games for you? Kevin, honestly, no, because the records are so insurmountable that everyone just looked at the record and said, I can't do this. I can try, but there's not a chance. That's why I feel so comfortable coming back on, talking to the wonderful people of Edmonton and you as well, to say, try if you can. But at the end of the day, I, the next time I come on the show, I shall remain a world record holder. I'm pretty uh, confident in that, sir. It's a good feeling. It has to be. Uh, Arna O'Cal from ESPN with us. Kevin Carey's Grand Fuhrer. So what did you make of this uh, big trade last night? Uh, you'd swear it was one of the bigger ones in NHL history, the way Philadelphia's talking about it. We had Frank Saravalli on, and he says the city's just buzzing in Philly. But uh, what did you make, it, make it of it in your, from your perspective, Arda? It's, it's crazy for so many reasons, right? Like, Cutter Gauthier hasn't even really started his career with Philadelphia. Now people are uncovering clips of him being a Pittsburgh Penguins fan and talking about how the jersey's orange, so it's unmistakable. Like, little things trying to read into the fact that maybe he didn't want to be there all along. But then Daniel Briere saying, no, I was built to be a flyer. Him, uh, Cutter Gauthier saying, I was built to be a flyer. I was meant to be a flyer. And then all of a sudden, I didn't want to be a flyer anymore. This is very odd. Like, I know this is a left field thought. The first thing I thought of was, uh, obviously, Eric Lindros comes to mind in reverse because now it's happening to the Flyers as opposed to the Flyers benefiting from uh, that trade with the Quebec Nordiques all uh, all those days ago or years ago. But after his career had ended, Eric Lindros, he ended up doing an interview in Quebec and finally, like well after his career was over and in an effort to extend the olive branch to the people of Quebec, he on the set in front of a studio audience on this show in Quebec, he wore a Quebec Nordiques jersey. <laughs> and that was like the the end of that chapter, the era of the Eric Lindros uh, saga with Quebec. Right. And I just for some reason, I'm like, I can't wait for Cutter Gauthier in like 25 years to do a Philly show. <laughs> and wear a Flyers jersey in, like, the full circle moment. But it's going to be a choppy, rocky road to get there. And, like, we're talking about Googling, uh, you know, batteries and athletes returning to the city. Like, it's going to be intense. It's going to be worse than Jack Eichel returning to Buffalo, I think. Mm -hmm. Grant, what did you make of everything last night and today? I thought it was an interesting trade. I mean, does John Tonarella have a hand in that? Maybe. I, I saw his press conference, which was typical. Torts basically said he had no idea who he was. So that's, you have to expect that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if he's going back to Philadelphia, good luck with trying to make up there. The fans there are not that forgiving. 
we've uh, John Tortorella has been a hot button, and I mean, we talked about it with you, Grant, the fact that you know he was in Buffalo as an assistant coach when you were with the Sabers. So you know, I all, love Torts. Yeah, and we were. I, I think a lot of people uh, misread him and things like that. But um, where do you think that that this you know being John Tortorella, his personality, his uh, you know what he brings? Do you think that there's something here, Grant? I think some players are scared of him. I mean, if you're not willing to be 100% accountable, then you're going to have some thoughts about not wanting to play for him because he's going to make you 100% accountable whether you like it or not. And in my world, that's an easy coach to play for. Mm -hmm. There's no gray area. It's black or white. It's pretty simple. Muck was like that. Glenn Sather was like that. So, I mean, it it depends on your own confidence. So, if you're not really confident that you can be 100% committed, then you're going to be a little hesitant to play for him. Arda, your thoughts on that? Oh, I agree. And, and I loved how Torch handled it, too. Like, we got the sound bite that everyone wants from Torch whenever he's in a press conference. I don't know, cut her from a hole in the wall. But then he, the, 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 the most genius part of it, though, was he turned it back to Jamie. He's like, I want to talk about Jamie Drysdale, the guy that's coming to my team. Like, he, I thought it was a master class in terms of give the people what they want in a way. You know, here's the sound bite that you can run with. But at the end of the day, the meat and potatoes of it is I want to talk about J.B. Drysdale. I want to talk about the guy that's coming to the team. I have a question for Grant, actually, about this, if it's, if it's okay with you. Like, you betcha. I'm curious, Grant, Like, what, let, now let's fast forward to Anaheim and Philadelphia are playing in Philly. I know it's going to be a big deal from the fans' perspective. I know it's going to be a big deal covering it as a member of the media. But what about the players on the Flyers' team, especially the ones that, like, didn't necessarily have a relationship with Cutter Gauthier, but they know the story and they know the stakes and everything. What is the mood in the locker room? Like, is it a game that people get up for? Do they care about the storyline? Like, what will the players, what will the Flyers players be thinking when Cutter plays for the Ducks in Philly? Uh, You know what? I'm not sure it's going to make a big difference to the players. I'm not sure how many of the players would know him personally. But at the same time, I can guarantee you that Torts will have the guys ready to play. So that will they come out with a little bit of fire, most likely. But at the same time, will they have personal feelings towards it? I'm not so sure about that. Do you think the the Flyers fans, how how big of a reaction would it be, Grant, when, you know, that first game happened? Oh, you're in Philly. Yeah. Oh, you're in Philly. They'll definitely remind them that he was going to be a flyer and decided not to be. So they will definitely remind him of that. I mean, that's the one thing about Philly is they don't, they don't forget and they're not very forgiving. So they don't forget when you're, when you are a flyer, <laughs> when you basically say you don't want to be a flyer, they definitely won't forget that. That's Grant Fuhr. Arda Okals, our guest from ESPN on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, busy slate in the NHL tonight, Arda, that you'll be keeping an eye on at ESPN. Is there a game or two that will be uh, catching your eye in particular over the others? Well, I'm, I'm doing the uh, – I'll be on the desk for the uh, the Oilers and Blackhawks game, so I've been diving okay. uh, real deep into that. Obviously, I, I, I have a – I don't know. Unhealthy is not the right word. Uh, a, a, a deep – interest in Connor McDavid reaching a thousand points this season. I know it seems far fetched. I did the numbers. If he if take away the game uh, against Ottawa, he had one point, right? Before that he had a five point game. After that five point game in that nineteen game stretch, Connor McDavid had well over two points a game. That was the pace that he was going in that nineteen point stretch. I know it's a I know it's far fetched, 
But if he were to keep up that pace for the rest of the season, he gets to 1,000 points by the end of the year. So if anyone can do it in the league, it's Connor McDavid. And for some reason, I just love the idea of him being one of three players in NHL history to reach 900 and 1,000 career points. And I feel like this is – like I know that we all talk about Alex Ovechkin and the great chase and how it's cooled off a little bit this season because his, his goal production isn't quite there as it has been in previous seasons, the lowest in his career. My focus is on Connor McDavid and can he get to 1,000 points it's a long shot, but I'm holding out hope. You know, it's funny that we're bringing up torts again because when Connor McDavid had the five-point night against Philadelphia, and all five points were simply amazing. The four assists were off the charts. The goal was, uh, you know, uh, you know, another highlight reel goal. Grant, do you think that sometimes that, and maybe it's just us in Edmonton, because we we feel that we see his greatness on a nightly basis. You saw that with the likes of Wayne Gretzky and Yari Curry and, and Mark Messi. Can you can you kind of just go, oh, just another game by Connor? Did you feel that back in the day too, Grant? No, you're still impressed. I mean, it, that's that's what makes them great is every time you think that it just gets to be the normal, they do something special. And you can say that about Connor every night is he does something special. And that's the fun part of watching him. And that's, that's why he fills the buildings is that you expect him to do something special every night. You don't know what it's going to be or when it's going to come, but you know, it's going to happen. So Arda, you're doing the prep work for this game tonight. How are you doing prep work on the Chicago Blackhawks lineup? Because it's, it's a little different than a normal NHL lineup tonight. Yeah, like their their forwards. I mean, they have they have nine players that are injured, including all of their stars. Right, Connor Bedard, right at the top of the list. Nick Foligno, Taylor Hall, Andreas Athanasiu. The list goes on and on. Seth Jones, uh, but they still had a great gritty, you know, uh, character win against the Flames. They beat them four three in regulation, and their forwards uh, had a cap hit basically of like twelve or thirteen million. Like yeah. it was ridiculous. Like it's how crazy. You know, they're still able to they were still able to be competitive in that game. Uh, and now they come into Edmonton. And the thing is, is that they, they have a lot of players there that are fighting for jobs. And that's that's an interesting, you know, there's, there's a lot of great quotes coming out of that locker room as well. The Luke Richardson quote about how, how are you dealing with all the injuries, exercise and wine? You know, like it's <laughs> funny that they're, you know, keeping it light ish uh, with with everything that's going on there. Uh, obviously, our we turn our attention to Connor Bedard and whether he's even going to be able to return to things like the all-star game or other tentpole events. Uh, probably not with the broken job, but uh, it's, it, it's an interesting time in Chicago, but I think long-term uh, they're still overall, you know, very happy with uh, Bedard's progress and he's shown flashes of brilliance more often than not than not. It's just too bad. We don't have, Connor versus Connor part two tonight. Yeah, the, the first goal that Connor Bedard scored here was simply amazing in the uh, Oilers 4-1 victory. Uh, it was a beautiful snapshot. It just got past uh, Matthias Ekholm. Perfect uh, upstairs glove side on Stu Skinner. Uh, yeah, I think it's $15 million, uh, that the Blackhawks have as far as salary goes uh, on the forward lines tonight. Uh, Arda Okal from ESPN joins us along with Grant Fear. So Arda, uh, uh, the floor is open. You got uh, Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fear. Uh, what do you want to ask, Fierzy? It's all yours. Open mic. I, so I have the pleasure of being able to work with Mark Messi on a regular basis. Uh, I'm in studio with him a lot, so I'd love to uh, hear Grant. Uh, what's your favorite Mark Messier story? Oh, geez. <laughs> I've known Mess since back in the Spruce Grove Mets days. So, and 
My favorite story. I don't know if there's a favorite. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, Mess was a lot of fun to play with. So I think the biggest thing about Mess, Mess was the ultimate leader. He had no issue being in guy's face. If you weren't pulling your weight, he would definitely be the first guy to let you know that you're not pulling your weight. And I think that's the one thing that I've always respected about Mess is he will be there. And you know he's going to give you his best. And he expected that out of everybody. And it didn't matter who it was. Mess would let you know if you weren't pulling your side of the story. Hmm. Off the ice, off the ice, Fierzy, uh, were you on the trip where you guys went to Mexico and you're on the way to the airport and someone said, oh, he came on in the cab or whatever, didn't have any luggage at all? And you guys said, hey, yeah, no, I, I missed that trip. I was on the better behave side for a change. <laughs> and <laughs> so he just waved his credit it card. Happen often, but yeah. yeah. Waved his credit card at uh, the guys in the cab and said, let's go. Yeah, no, I missed that one. So I, every now and then I get on the better side of things. But <laughs> no, that's the other thing. Off the ice, we had a lot of fun as a group. So, and Mess could lead the charge on that side of it too. Yeah, so Arda, what's it like for you to work with uh, Mess so so frequently? He's, he's, he's amazing. He's the best. Exactly what uh, Grant said. He's, he's uh, life of the room. He's super uh, knowledgeable, obviously. Like I just feel like every time I talk to him about hockey, I leave smarter about the game than I did coming in. Uh, the one thing that, like, quite honestly, like, the work ethic is still there. Like, a lot of times, Kevin, you and I know this, uh, working with athletes in this capacity as analysts, sometimes athletes will just come in and they rely on their experiences playing the game. Mm-hmm. And that works out for a stretch of time. But then there's a turning point when the honeymoon phase sort of ends that an athlete becomes – Uh, you know, a television personality, and they really have to put the work in, right? Like, sometimes they don't want to put the work in. Sometimes they just want to show up and appear and just, you know, talk about their experiences, and that only takes them so far. Um, Ness is not that. I've seen him prep. I've seen him, you know, want to learn different things, uh, like, you know, TV-wise, and can I I, uh, uh, learn about this facet of the uh, production, and how can I help here, like, I've seen him really mm-hmm. dive in. Like that, to me, that's it, if a guy like Mark Messier is doing that, that's setting the tone for everyone else. You know, so like that really impressed me. Like just that work ethic is still there in a completely different realm off the ice. Well, you know, Arda, I see it every Tuesday with Grant because he comes on for two hours from nine to eleven, and sometimes we'll have a guest, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, like today, we had Tom Silverstein, and even though Grant is a Green Bay Packers fan he still would be looking at some stuff. And even, you know, we've had Raptors guests. We've had, we've run the gamut and Grant will go into a dive to figure out what can he ask. And when you're doing a show like this and Grant's in Palm Desert, a lot of times in Grant, you know this, I'll just go Grant and you've got a question in the chamber, right? And that's similar how I believe you were trying to explain with with Messier on the set. Would that be a a similar uh, situation for you, Arda? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really cool. Like, and how cool is it that, you know, the fans of Edmonton get to hear from uh, the, the legend, the Hall of Famer, Grant mm-hmm. Fuhr on a regular basis. That's awesome. Like, that's invaluable to me. Like, that's, that, that's, that's appointment listening, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Well, we really appreciate you hopping on here on short notice. Good luck with the broadcast tonight. We'll be, uh, I think we get it on Sportsnet here. Obviously, we won't be able to get your feed, but uh, good luck uh, with the broadcast tonight. And uh, thanks for hopping on. And anytime, you know, you're talking to a Hall of Famer and a two-time world record holder. I mean, can it get any better for me? 
<laughs> Lucky you, right? Yeah. Well, one's in the Hall of Fame, one's uh, video game two-time world record holder. 93. And yeah, what was I it, 96? I don't know how many hours it took you to get the world record. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a slog, uh, Grant. That's a story for another day. But it was definitely a journey. Let me let me tell you that we we've all had our unique journeys in life. One of us got into the Hall of Fame. The other got into a video game record book. How about that? Uh, thanks, Art. Appreciate hey, your folks. time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, that's Art Okal from ESPN on the broadcast tonight, stateside as the Oilers take on the Chicago Blackhawks, and that is where we tee things up after the break with uh, St. Albert's Troy Murray, the Chicago Blackhawks radio analyst for many many. Many years, and uh, Grant Fuhr played against, and maybe with. We're going to f- figure that out. A few games with uh, Troy back in uh, late seventies or late seventies, I guess it would be, huh, Grant? Oh, well, let's see, Saints. Yeah, it have to be yeah. late seventies. Late seventies. Throwing eighty-one, so. Yeah. Well, I try not to admit that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we're back with uh, Troy Murray and uh, Grant Fuhr on Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. Uh, more right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show. Welcome back to the big program. Time now for the St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day. Over 300 new Dodge Ram and Jeeps are available. 0% for up to 72 months on select models. 0% also available on Ram 1500s. That's only at St. Albert Dodge. Check out stalbertdodge.com as we welcome in Troy Murray back to Sports 1440. Morning, Troy. You're with Kevin Carries and Grant Fuhr. Thanks for uh, hopping on again. Yeah, good morning, guys. I, I remember St. Albert Dodge when it first came to St. Albert. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, and now they got the new location at the north end of St. Albert Trail. Right, right, yeah. Just near the, the Troy Murray uh, Arena. Right next to the Grant here <laughs> <laughs> Memorial. <laughs> so, Grant was just saying, like, did you guys play a little bit together in St. Albert or somewhere? Nope. Okay. Never played together, did we, Grant? I I was trying to think whether we played together for the Saints at all, or it was just against nope. you at, when you were with the Winterhawks. Um, well, I never played for the Winterhawks either. I, I was so, I was oh. uh, Lethbridge Broncos. I was supposed to. I was. I went to North. That's where it would have been then. They were. They they were gonna yeah, they were gonna trade me to Portland. Um, uh, but I decided they didn't. That that all fell through because I was going to go to North Dakota instead. So so you, know, you, you guys did play against each other for a long time uh, in the NHL. Yeah. Mostly, I mean, some great rivalry games in Chicago. Uh, what do you remember about those great series with the Oilers you had in Chicago, Troy? Great memories? <laughs> those, were, those were nightmares. <laughs> it was... I mean, you know, for me to come back, you know, St. Albert kid, I, I'd come back and I'd have family and friends and, and we'd play, you know, the Oilers. and you know, We'd just get smoked every time and I'd have to go out after the game, put on a smile and say hello to my friends and family. It was, it was never a fun matchup uh, in those days when, when Grant was playing and they had just the, uh, you know, I mean, they had the best team in the league by far. Grant, some high scoring games, remember? Oh, they were not defensive struggles. I mean, <laughs> no. that was the fun part of that, though. It's just wide open hockey. Well, uh, do you remember we were playing here in in Chicago, and I I, I don't know, was it eleven to eight for you guys one time? <laughs> yeah, I think eleven. I think it was seven. a playoff game. Yeah. It might have been a playoff game. Playoff There's game. eleven eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, those were those were the good old days. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. 
Um, you know, I, I miss the way that the game was played back in those days. And, you know, as, a, as an analyst now, we actually had a really good, intense game against the New Jersey Devils on Friday uh, last week. And, you know, everybody who was watching that game, they were, oh, man, this, you know, remind me of old-time hockey. And I'm going, no, that would have been like one period's worth of <laughs> entertainment back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, different time, right, Grant? Oh, it, it used to be a lot of fun. I mean, you knew the games would be high scoring. You knew there'd be some ill feelings before it was over, but every minute of it was enjoyable. Hmm. Did you know what, Grant, that I, that I liked about the old game? You knew where the line was. And if you, you crossed that line, you knew that there was going to be accountability. There's no line anymore. And that's where, the, to me, the confusion is in the game. You know, what can you do, what you can't do, you know, what hit is legal now, what, you know, how do you hold somebody accountable? It was pretty cut and dried back in the day, and, and you knew it, and you had guys that, you know, were more than willing to cross that line, but that was the whole purpose of it, was, uh, you know, to, well, I don't say to intimidate, whatever, but, you know, it was pretty cut and dried as far as what you knew you could do and what you couldn't do. What changed, Troy? Instigator? What other things? What do you think? Well, I, I, you know what? I don't know. Maybe Grant can help me on this. I, I don't know what, what changed. It was just the, the way that the game evolved and you brought in European players that, that didn't engage in, in that side of the, um, of, of the equation. Um, I, I think then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there was a different feel to the game. Um, compared to what it was before. And when Grant started, when I started, I mean, the reality was it was basically 95% Canadian kids who came up through junior hockey in the the Canadian system where physicality was a huge part of it. And um, I think that when you started to kind of filter it out a little bit and all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a European influx and you've got, you know, some collegiate players that, you know, that wasn't the forte of that. And I was one of those guys that went through that system. And just the way that the game evolved. Mm-hmm. Grant? I think they took, they took the, the game out of the players' hands. I think that was the yeah, biggest change is the players policed the players. So you didn't see anybody getting run from behind because you knew you had to pay a price. And once you take that out of the players' hands, fines don't bother the guys anymore. They're making so much money. A fine's a fine. Yeah. But now, if you're going to get punched in the face two or three times, pretty good chance you're not going to do that. So I think they've taken – and the game the game back then was probably a safer game because the players did rule the game, and they, you knew if you crossed that line, there was a price to pay. Whereas now, guys yeah, will cross that line because they know that they don't have to pay a price for it. Yeah, and then when you, when you do – hold them accountable the look in their eyes is like what are you doing you know i you know i didn't do anything wrong well no you you crossed the line and you know you're going to be held accountable so yeah i agree with you is that when the game was but it's something that they wanted to do um you know they they wanted to take the 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 policing of the game out of the hands of the players and i i I agree with you grant i i looked at that and you know you, you you kind of looked at it like okay you know, you looked across the, the the benches and you saw here's here's what's going to hold me accountable, and you knew that that was what was there, and those guys knew that that was their job, and all of a sudden they took they take that out of the hands of the players and they put it into the the hands of the referees and you know fines disciplinary that that doesn't cut it. Hmm. 
Troy Murray with us uh, on the Kevin Carey Show with co-host Grant Fuhrer on a Tuesday morning, 10.30, coming up in Edmonton. And the Oilers in Chicago tonight to take on the Hawks. Oilers on a really good run here, seven wins in a row, 2015-1. The Hawks come in with an 11-26-2 record. And, Troy, a very... Uh, depleted lineup. Last when we talked uh, the last time up in the press box in Edmonton, there were a few injuries. Now there's just tons and tons. Just kind of discuss that uh, <laughs> that with the uh, Blackhawks lineup tonight. Um, yeah, it's been patchwork here, and they they actually had to go out and they they picked up Rem Pitlick um, this weekend. Zach Sanford. They they didn't have any bodies left. <laughs> I mean, not even in their uh, you know minor league affiliate. They everybody was called up, and so. They had to get people into the organization, so they had to make some moves. And with all the players that are out, I mean, line combinations, defensive pairings, everything has been just been thrown into a blender, and you just never know what you're going to get. And if you look at the Blackhawks roster at the beginning of the season to where it is now, and nobody's going to say that you know the Blackhawks were going to be a Stanley Cup contender, but at least they, they look like with the addition of uh, Nick Foligno, Corey Perry, Taylor Hall, you know, they made some adjustments to bring in some NHL experienced players. Well, Tyler Johnson, Bovillier, like all the guys that, that were brought in are basically out of the lineup now. So you've got uh, the majority of the the players that have an opportunity to, to step into the NHL from Brockford, their American League mm-hmm. affiliate, are here. And, um, you know, for Luke Richardson, and the coaches always say this, well, you know, that's out of our hands. I deal with the 20 guys that I have in the locker room available for any given game. That's just kind of the mentality that they had this year. They they don't know who's been in the lineup, who's been out. You know, major injuries. Um, most of them have not been like little tiny, um, you know, uh, not minor injuries. Yeah. And you look at Connor Bedard. We still don't know what. Uh, maybe we'll get uh, some word from Luke Richardson today about what they were going to do. My understanding was with Bedard, they were going to let it settle down a little bit uh, before they decided if they needed surgery, wire the jaw shot or whatever they need to do. But uh, it's been frustrating that that way this year with all the, the significant injuries that they have. But it's just part of the game, and it gives other players that opportunity to come up here and show that they belong. Grant. How's the goaltending been in Chicago this year? You know, Grant, uh, Peter Morazic has been really good all season long. For the first time in, in, uh, in a bunch of years, he's, he's 100% healthy, and uh, it really shows the way that he's played this year. They, uh, the one-two combination that they wanted to have this year with Arvid Soderbloom really hasn't worked out for Arvid. Two wins, 13 losses, I think, um, you know, somewhere around that area. And in his career last year and this year, he's only got four wins in 30-some games or whatever it is. So it's been a struggle for him. And I think the Blackhawk organization is trying to figure out. They've got a guy named Drew Camesso, who, Grant, you may know who that is, coming out of, uh, I think, BC or BU um, in, in the pipeline. And he supposedly is going to be the goaltender of the future. They wanted to see if Soderbloom was going to be the goaltender this year, but he, he struggled a couple of good games as of late after sitting out for a while and working with Jimmy Waite, the goaltender coach and going over a lot of video. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with Mrazic, it's been good with Soderbloom. It's, it's been interesting. Troy Murray, our <laughs> guest. Sorry, go ahead. Grant, did you have a quick one? No, I like the term interesting. <laughs> Anytime you're talking about goaltending, huh? <laughs> interesting. Well, that's the fun of it all. Grant, Grant, Grant would know this too. Like, 
when you were in Edmonton, you knew that you were going to get goal support. So it, it was the timely save at the right mm-hmm. moment of a hockey game that, that you were as, as, as good as anybody in the history of the game. In my opinion, when the game was on the line, that's when you, you made the saves. Um, you know, for Soderbloom right now, he knows that he's, he's got no goal support. So there's so much pressure on him to be perfect. That This team certainly is, is not... Um, you know, a, a defensive juggernaut type of team. So there is flaws on the defensive side of it, which obviously leaves your goaltender exposed. And if you're just trying to learn to play in the NHL, it's just not the, you know, the exact best scenario that he's been involved with here in Chicago the last couple seasons. Troy Murray, our guest on Sports 1440, the Kevin Carey Show with co-host Grant Fuhr on a Tuesday. Uh, last we talked, Troy, you did mention to me to keep an eye on a defenseman by the name of Alex Vlasic. And I did that night at the Oilers game against Chicago. I thought he was the best defenseman on the ice for both teams. I mean, he was uh, facing off against either Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl for the most part. I think he only got caught once that I could remember, but... What about his development and what you see of a young defenseman still trying to find his way in the NHL? Well, if, if you look at some of the, the plus-minus numbers on a team that has a really poor goal differential, um, Alex Balasic, who's 6'6", 225 pounds, he's, he's a massive uh, kid, um, he's plus eight, which which leads the Blackhawks or ties it with Jason Dickinson who's having a career year, but... He, he has played the big matchups. Um, when Seth Jones was in the lineup, those two guys were going up against the other team's top opponent, and now Seth's not in the lineup, but Vlasic still remains that way, a plus player. Um, and, and to me, last year what the Blackhawks did, they didn't allow any of the young players to play permanently with the Blackhawks. They wanted them all down in Rockford to develop. And this year... Blasek came into training camp, completely different player. He played all the big minutes in the American League last year um, and just big minutes in key situations. And he just came into camp as a different player this year. So the development of players that aren't quite ready and sometimes you get forced into a situation. Um, we can talk about Kevin Korczynski mm-hmm. in, a, in a second because he's 19 years old and kind of caught in no man's land. Vlasic able to go down last year, work on his game, comes in here, and again, at 6'6", he's an excellent skater. Um, I, I would assume that the matchup tonight is going to be with Vlasic up against Connor McDavid or Dreisaitl. I mean, pick your poison there. Mm-hmm. Um, either one of those two guys, but he, he's really, I think he's going to be a special player for a long, long time. Grant? Yeah, so... Heading towards Korczynski, he's kind of stuck in the same boat that Shane Wright was last year, mm. where yep. you're you're in no yep. man's land, where you're too good for junior, but you're going to struggle at the NHL level and you can't play in the American Hockey League. So yeah, it's it's un- it, it, go ahead. It, it it just to me it makes no sense. It, you want what's best for the kid. Now, I mean, we were lucky this year that Seattle got a waiver for Shane to play with us in Coachella Valley. So it, it, I, I have a hard time understanding why they won't do that for more players. Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think they've got to make some kind of an adjustment on a limited number of players who are, are in that specific situation uh, because it, it's, it's the development of the player that is, is being hurt. And for Korchinski, too good to go back to juniors. Um, nothing to prove there. Is he ready to play here? Probably not. Would he be a great example of what 
happened to Velasic last year to go down and play a full year in the minors, understand what the pro game is all about, mature a little bit more, and then come back ready to play. Uh, they don't have that luxury. So, you know, it's been a little bit of a struggle, and, and I, I think you guys are aware of what happened with um, you know his family situation, his father's passing away. Very tough for a young player, but, you know, he's got great support here. He's a good young kid. Um, and, you know, for him, it's it's learning on the fly in a tough environment. Troy Murray with us on Sports 1440. Troy, what did you think of the uh, the Smith hit on Bedard that uh, knocked him out here? Totally clean. Okay. Totally clean. Um, I, I had no problem with it whatsoever. Um, you know, Connor kind of exposed himself by reaching for the puck after he went through the, one of the players at the blue line. Brendan Smith, he, he didn't. He actually, you know, he didn't even have to move. He's playing that that deep guy back there. Bedard basically stretched out and ran right into him, and he just kind of stopped up, turned his shoulder, and caught Connor right in the in the jaw. No malintent. I I said it right when it happened. He said I had no problem with the hit. Didn't leave his feet. Didn't raise his elbow. That's just it's a learning moment for Connor coming through the middle of the ice. You, you can't uh, you know put yourself in in an exposed vulnerable position like that, or bad things are going to happen. So it was. I didn't want to see it happen, obviously. But um, you know, Brendan Smith did nothing wrong. And here, Grant is is where you talk about the accountability. Um, Nick Foligno ends up fighting Brendan Smith, and I give Smith all credit in the world because he, you know, was issued a challenge by Felino. He accepted it, and then Felino ends up breaking his hand in the fight with with Brendan Smith. So he ended up knocking out two guys um, of that game. Yeah, I mean that's that's the part where you'd like to see the players control things a little more than they allow them right now. And it's just then, bad luck. Then that kind of thing yeah. doesn't it doesn't end up happening then. Yeah, and it's just bad luck on on uh, Felino's part, you know, coming to defense of a teammate and uh, for him to be out now. And again, Troy, you mentioned it. You know, you lose two guys in a matter of you know thirty seconds. That's just devastating for this team. Yeah, and then you know, with all the other injuries, the, the situation with Corey Perry, who was was doing an, an excellent job of of what he was brought in to do. Him and Nick Felino you know, got them here to, to change the culture and, and, and really work with the young guys that the Blackhawks were bringing in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to lose a guy like Nick Foligno, um, he's been so valuable to this team. You know, he's, he's the captain. He's the leader inside that locker room. And I didn't, you know, we played against uh, Mike Foligno, his, his father, granted, you know what type of player he was. Nick and, and his brother Marcus, they're in the same mold. You know, they're just competitive guys. They they were brought up to understand the game the way it was played in the old days, and they have that old mentality, which I, I love to see. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, just uh, he's fun to be around. He, he gets his role here in Chicago, and he's, he's been fan, fantastic for the Blackhawks. Well, Troy, thanks so much for your time. I know you got to get uh, do some work and things in preparation for today's game. When you do start, if maybe if you lay your head down and have a little quick uh, couple of winks, don't think back to those games in the '80s. You'll never get any any rest. You'll do, the, the mind will be just whizzing. <laughs> we, we we all thought back in those days that that we had pretty good teams, and in Chicago we did have yeah. good teams. We were in that next tier 
of teams that were underneath the Oilers, as you know, everybody else said, boy, we had good teams. If, if it wasn't for the Oilers, maybe we could have, well, you know, that you can look at it that way, but the, the truth of the matter is they were the Edmonton Oilers, and you weren't going to beat them because they were that good. Mm. Well, really appreciate your time, Troy. Uh, have a good call tonight, and we'll talk soon. Take care, man. Yeah, great catching up with you guys. Grant, good hearing from you. I hope the golf game's going well. <laughs> Thanks, pal. We'll talk to you soon. All right, that's uh, Troy Murray, Chicago Blackhawks analyst. And our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge uh, with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge and see how easy it is to do business with the great people. Check out stalbertdodge.com. Isn't it something that he knew exactly, Grant, where St. Albert Dodge was still after all these years? Comes home. Oh, yeah. You, know. you come home, you know where things yeah. still are. They get, that's the fun part of coming back home. Not a lot changes. <laughs> well, and you know, he was talking about all those great Chicago teams. And, I mean, even in, I believe, okay, in 1990 when you guys uh, won the, the last of five great cups, I mean, they, they were an older team even with, you know, Steve Larmer and Denny Savard. And, I mean, Troy Murray had 38, uh, 17 goals that season. He had 45 one year, so he was a good sniper too. Um, what would you say, do you remember, and I'm just looking at that roster of in 1990, so in goal for Chicago, they would have had Jacques Luchet, uh and Alain Chevrier, Greg Millen a little yeah. bit, and Jimmy Waite was a younger guy coming up. So would you have said that maybe, and I mean, in all fairness to those goalies, they just maybe were missing a little bit in net? Yeah, maybe a little bit in net, maybe a little bit on the back end. Mm-hmm. I mean, their teams in the mid mid to late eighties were pretty solid. They had Murray Bannerman playing goal at that time. You still had Denny Savard, Al Secord, uh, Troy was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had some good hockey teams. Hence, well, I think it's still the highest scoring series in the history of the National Hockey League. I, was it the, the one goal? Uh, the one game was eleven seven. Is that correct? Yeah, 11 8, I think. 11 8. <laughs> I think just... there was an 11 8. I think there was a 13 4. There might have been a 12 5 tucked in there somewhere. I mean, oh, man. You know, it's funny. It was entertaining. It was, it was entertaining. Do you remember the game? We were just talking about it, uh, what would it be, four or five days ago? And it was a 12 8 game against Minnesota, apparently the highest scoring game in modern day NHL history. It was about four days ago. We had it on just at the end of last week. And Wayne Gretzky had eight points after. 40 minutes and everyone was talking about the the Daryl Sittler record. Do you remember that game? Uh, hopefully I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are not good games for goalies to remember. No, but it was 12-8. It was uh, you were actually in goal, so you got the win. That's all that matters, isn't no, it? No, it was it was against Donnie Beaupre and Gilles Malash. <laughs> yes. Um uh, but was there any discussion that that you know, Daryl Sittler's record of 10 points in a game was discussed uh, after 40 minutes? No. no, we just went out and played, and our guys love to play offensive hockey. And if it was going to be ten nine, that was fine. We, as long as you won, that's all anybody cared. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had a lot of comments coming. People in the stands remember that game. They were talking about uh, you know because Daryl Sittler had in nineteen seventy six or seven, whatever it was, he had the ten point game, and now here just a few years later, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, had a chance to, well, another record. I mean, we, we all know all the records that he has. So I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, we're back to wrap things up with Grant Fear on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back for the home stretch. Kevin Carey Show with our co-host Grant Fear, Hockey Hall of Famer, and uh, 
color commentator for the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, what's going on with the Firebirds in the last little bit, Grant, and what's going on this week as far as games go for the, the birds down there? No, we've played pretty well. We lost a tough one the other night. We lost 6-5 in a shootout to Abbotsford, which we had control of the game and a couple of costly giveaways ended up costing us a point. Mm-hmm. But up until that, we'd won three in a row, so... We head out on the road now. We're in San Diego tomorrow night, and then Friday, Saturday in Colorado, and then we come home and play Monday, Wednesday against the Henderson Silver Knights. Yes. So busy week for the guys. Wasn't the 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 win before that six five loss? Was that a shutout victory for the Birds? It was four nothing. Yeah. We okay. beat beat Abbotsford four nothing, where we had beat Abbotsford. That was the fifth game of the year that we had beaten Abbotsford. So the next night we lost six five and. Still managed to squeeze a point out of it, so we've we've we're collecting points along the way now. I think we're in uh, what are we tied for fourth? I believe in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking yesterday. I asked you for Freddie Brathwaite's contact, and I ended up phoning him. I forgot to tell you this. It was more of a accidental phone call, and I went, "Oh, I better not," because I <laughs> I knew he was kind of going to be busy and stuff. He phoned me back right away and said, "What's going on?" And I was like, "Well, sorry, Freddie, because but I, I was wondering if you wanted to come on with Grant tomorrow." This was last night, and he goes, "Well, we were pretty busy today uh, with Henderson." So he's in Henderson working with the goaltenders in Henderson. He is, and they're actually in here for a couple of games next week. So we're going to get together and hang out and have dinner. So he's going to be coming on the show on Tuesday, I believe, because it's a Monday, Wednesday, Henderson uh, and Coachella Valley, correct? Yeah, we're Monday, Wednesday. So we're 6 o'clock Monday night and 7 o'clock Wednesday night. Well, we'll have him on Tuesday. He said he's good to go for Tuesday. So uh, a former teammate of yours, Freddie Brathwaite, he was just in Calgary. Is that right? Or where else? Yep, former roommate. We're roommates in Calgary. Oh, really? Because he would have been, yeah. yeah. He was an undrafted goaltender. And and then I believe so. yeah, played his junior out east, and then ended up out here in Edmonton. And I guess he was in well, he was in Calgary. So he, I guess that was for, you St. were St. Louis, yeah. So uh, and again, smaller goaltender. He was uh, you know back in the day. That's I guess a little more common. But uh, what I mean when he works with these goalies, what do you see? I guess what Freddie's trying to relate to goaltenders in Henderson. Well, you know what? He's a t- he was talented when he played mm-hmm. and didn't get a lot of credit because he was small. I mean, I was small at 5'10". Freddie's probably a couple inches shorter than I am. <laughs> so and it's funny. The, small, the smaller goalies don't get a lot of credit, but yet it still comes down to whether you can play or not. Right. And everybody wants the big goalies. Like we've got the one young kid here, Alex Stetchka, who's comfortably 6'6". And then Kale Morris who looks like he's about my size beside him is still six foot. And they talk about him being undersized, but uh, Dustin Wolf, they call him undersized. It doesn't, doesn't matter your size. It's whether you can stop the puck or not. And I think that's what Freddie relays to their goalies is you don't have to be big. You just have to find a way to get in the way and stop the puck. Nobody cares if you're five, five or whether you're six, 11, just stop the puck. So he was your roommate in Calgary. How much? And we'll we'll address this uh, next week with Freddie Brathwaite as we're speaking with Grant Fuhrer on Sports 1440. Uh, How much did you sort of take him under your wing in Calgary? Uh, You know what? We just had a lot of fun together. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I first got traded to Calgary, my first game was going to be in Phoenix. So I 
got traded, go to the go to the hotel, and Freddie had ordered cheeseburgers for us because he knew I enjoyed a good cheeseburger. So I rolled into the room about 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, and Freddie had ordered cheeseburgers. So we, we pretty much got along pretty well after that. Yeah. Brian Setter was coaching there? We had Brian as a coach. So another guy that was, there's no gray area. It's very black and white and very simple. <laughs> and, and another guy the guys didn't like to play for, but I thought was really easy to play for. Hmm. Just because it is cut and dried. Did you ever have a coach, Grant, that wasn't uh, black or white, was a little more gray in the middle? Um, Joe Quenville had a little more of a gray area to it. He, was, he wasn't the old school type where it was the scream and yell. There was a little more of a gray area there. Mike Keenan sometimes was pretty simple. Other times you had no idea what was going on. But no, I played for a lot of very, what would you call them? Coaches of high discipline. Yes. Where it is or it isn't. There's no option in between. Oilers in action tonight in Chicago. The first of three on the road. Oilers uh, on the ice with their morning skate. Uh, Tony Brar from Oilers TV sending out along with Mark Spector. Basically the same lines and pairings as the Oilers have gone with in uh, the recent games. Connor McDavid between uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman. What do you make of Zach Hyman? What kind of, does he bring back uh, memories of a player that, you know, back in the days where you know, some similarities for anyone you can remember, Grant? Uh, you know, you're rising a little bit of the one year that Mike Kruzelniski had, where I think Cruz scored 43 or 45 that year, some somewhere in the 40s, where just quietly went along and just kept scoring. And Zach's doing that right now, and he's been a great addition to the Oilers. Second line, uh, Leon Dreisaitl between Ryan McLeod and Ryan and uh, Warren Fogel. So when you saw that line go together, and what have you seen from it, just the fact that they have so much speed and, and strength and uh, they get in on the forecheck, uh, what are you seeing from that line, Grant? Well, you know what I like is I like that they're all four lines are contributing. I think that's the big key, and that's the key to success. Is all you got to get something out of all four lines. Some lines bring energy, some lines score goals, some lines bring physicality. And right now, Edmonton's getting a little of that from everybody. Uh, Stu Skinner will get the start in net, uh, which leads everyone to believe that uh, Cal Pickard will play. I think Cal Pickard, the orders, the way this, the uh, schedule is set up for the orders, I think Cal Pickard could play every Thursday night game for the rest of this month. The orders are in Chicago tonight, then Detroit on Thursday, then Montreal on Saturday. Similar next week, Grant. Uh, so the Leafs are here, then uh, Seattle and Calgary, and then the following week it's Columbus, Chicago, and Nashville. Would you, uh, if you were trying to break things down here, and again, no back-to-backs, and you're trying to schedule the goaltenders, how far in advance do you kind of go, or do you just, is it game-by-game, week-to-week? Uh, how do you see things shaping up there? Well, I, when I was coaching, you normally go game-by-game. Game. I mean, it's nice you have the luxury that there's no back-to-backs. So you can see how the games go. You can see what the workload is in the games and you have options. And when the schedule stretches out like that, yeah, you want to get Calvin in to play a game somewhere along the way for sure. But at the same time, you, you have the option of having Stu play as much as you want, but you also have the option of having Calvin play. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice spot to be in. Uh, hopefully Coachella Valley in San Diego, you say, didn't they have some problems with the plumbing in, in San Diego? The Bakersfield Condors had a couple of games postponed last week. Yeah, the weekend they had a couple of games postponed. I haven't heard whether the game's going to go tomorrow night or not, but our guys are flying out of San Diego regardless. So 
if there's no game, it'll be a nice bus ride over to get on an airplane to go to Colorado. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, Grant, thanks so much for uh, checking in again. Uh, we missed you the last couple of weeks. Uh, hope you had a great holiday and uh, hope you have a prosperous 2024 to you and Lisa. Uh, take care, big guy. We'll talk to you next week with Freddie. I look forward to it. All right. That's uh, our co-host every Tuesday, Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fuhr. Coming up, top of the hour, it is uh, Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Ross Ship T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas. At the 12 o'clock, it'll be uh, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. And then at 2 o'clock, Jason Greger drives us home. Thanks to our guests today, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, Tom Silverstein, former goaltender, and uh, Arda Ocal and Troy Murray, Chicago Blackhawks analyst, plus our uh, co-host every Tuesday, Grant Fuhr. Before Fantasy Frenzy at the top of the hour... Uh, we've got uh, a Sports 1440 update coming up. But uh, thanks so much to all our listeners and uh, all the interaction that we had again this morning. Roseanne Barr, Rosie O'Donnell. You know, we got them all figured out. <laughs> that could be, that's going to be an inner or the out Duke. Something. Who, got, who, I don't, who would you rather? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure something out with that. Uh, but again, thanks to all our listeners. Uh, appreciate you hanging out with us uh, on a Tuesday morning. We're back uh, tomorrow morning with our co-host, David Schlemko. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, here's the Duke with the Sports 1440 Update.